fighting does not make you a hero. What if I promise to be careful? Just a shield then, Diana. No sharp edges. Be careful of mankind, Diana. They do not deserve you. You've told me this story. What is this place? Who are you people? We are the bridge to a greater understanding. Right. What is your mission? Well, here's the thing. You are in more danger than you think. The boys in the trenches called her Dr. Poison. Millions would die. The war would never end. I'm going, Mother. If you choose to leave, you may never return. Who will I be if I stay? We'll come when you... To the war. Well, technically the war is that way, but we got to go this way first. How can a woman fight in this? Who is this young woman? She's my... Um, and, um... Diana, Princess of Simmons. Prince, Diana Prince. believe that this war should stop. Help me stop it right now. What are you? You will soon find out. Good morning, everyone. I don't know how I'm going to top that. Um, my name is Jonathan Ricker. I lead the Sunday service teams here at Church in the Valley, and I'm uh, really glad that you're here to join us this morning. We're actually in the third week of a message series called Box Office Wisdom. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at some of the movies that have come up this summer and um, sort of examining what they say about how life works and then comparing that against what the Bible says is reality. Um, and we really want to do that to make sure that we filter the messages that we're getting so that we don't just take everything that we hear and see for granted, take it at face value. Well, as you may have ascertained from the trailer that you just watched, we're going to be talking about uh, the movie Wonder Woman this morning. And with this movie, we're going to be talking about uh, the theme of the fear of failure. Um, and in this movie, Wonder Woman, Diana, is an Amazon princess um, from the island of Themyscira, and a pilot, Steve Trevor, um, basically clash lands um, right near her island because he's shot down by the German army. And what Diana learns from him is that there's this war going on, this world war, and that's World War I. Um, and so she sets off leaving the island paradise in order to go with Trevor and fight this war in the hopes that she can actually bring, bring an end to the war and bring peace to mankind. Now, you may be thinking, like, hold on, hold on, time out. I thought you were saying that we we're going to be talking about fear. And watching that trailer, 
she doesn't seem to have any fear at all. Like, she seems to have complete confidence that she's going to be able to go and stop World War I. You know, that's a really astute observation. I'm glad you all made it. You're correct. You know, she doesn't really seem to have any sort of fear at all. Um, she really does have this kind of confidence that she's going to be able to go and finish what she set out to do. Um, but what does this mean for us? Um, you know, do we have to have complete assurance that we're going to be able to do what we need to do um, before we move out? You know, as per the trailer, do we need to see the proverbial bullets of life, you know, banging off our wristbands before we can move forward? Um, you know, how can we get past fear and accomplish the things that God has for us? Um, you know, when fear comes our way for us mere mortals, how do we deal with that? You know, so in, unless you were born a superhero, you know, you either need to go get bit by a radioactive spider or, you know, you need to become a genius and rich overnight, you know, be able to learn thermonuclear astrophysics so that you can be like Iron Man. You know, for the rest of us, we have to figure out another way, um, another way that we can really be able to go past fear. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're really looking for freedom, kind of as that last song that we just sung. We're looking for freedom from fear uh, and finding out where it is that we can go about that. Um, so first I want to start with looking at, you know, what is fear? What is this thing that we're dealing with? And fear is actually a very normal response to the threat of damage or potential loss. Um, fear, have you, you know, as you know, though, it's more than just some sort of idea, some sort of mental construct. Uh, fear actually has a lot of ability to affect us. It really has influence on our lives. It can cause us emotional, physical, um, and, you know, mental problems, it can actually change the way that we're going about things. Fear is something so powerful. It can affect the way we see life. It can affect what we choose to do. And it can even, you know, physically affect our body chemistry, our makeup. Um, fear, you know, fear can cause us to change course in life. So if we were to personify fear, you know, pers- the superhero, fear is like a really clever bully or our own personal supervillain who knows exactly how to take us down. You know, it knows exactly what's going to mess us up. And fear has multiple tactics in which he takes to do this. You know, some are really obvious and out front and some are more subtle. Um, when fear comes up, you know, it almost feels like a, a supervillain is attacking us head, you know, head on. So you're walking down the street one day and all of a sudden fear jumps out, and, you know, kind of pushes you. And as you're reeling from that, he slaps you in the face and punches you in the gut. You know, that's, that's how fear can feel like it sometimes. You're just going through life and, and fear comes up and suddenly it just stops you in your tracks. Um, you know, it stops you from making any any progress in moving forward and going down the path that you're supposed to. And instead, you just want to drop to the ground and whimper. You know, fear really has power. Um, and as we know, fear doesn't always take this frontal attack. Sometimes fear is very subtle in its approach to get to us. You know, you're walking down that same path, but you just keep hearing these whispers of discouragement. You know, you're not going in the right direction. You're never going to get where you want to go. You're never going to make it. And as you're, as you're trudging along, more and more mud is on the ground in front of you, and your boots just get caked with it heavier and heavier and heavier until you finally stop. Um, in, either, in either method of tack, what fear does to us is fear causes us to stop moving forward. It can really hinder us in doing the things that God has for us in life. Um, you know, it stops us, up, it stops us in our track tracks and beats us into submission. It's so powerful, it can really do us damage in life. Um, It can stop us from having a good life and accomplishing the things that we need to. So how do we go about battling fear? You know, this villain and the tactics it uses to bring us down. 
again, do we need superpowers? Um, well, unless you have them, then you're kind of in trouble. So we really need to find a different way. And actually, the Bible shows us shows us how we can get victory over fear, how we can move forward in freedom um, and fight back. In fact, fight armor up and fight back against this enemy that's fear. So let's go ahead and shift focus now. And what we're going to look at is what does the Bible say that how we deal with fear? Um, and what we can find from the scriptures is that uh, when fear fights to take control of us, we fight back as we focus our eyes, mind, and desires on God. Let me say that again. When fear fights to take control of us, we fight back when we focus our eyes, our mind, and our desires on God. Fear is not a docile adversary, um, but he can really throw us down and control us. And so we need to fight back. So that, that first thing we do is we need to focus our eyes on God. And the Psalms gives us a few verses that gives us a picture of what this looks like. So first of all, Psalm 56, 3 through 4 tells us, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? And Psalm 27, 1 adds to this by saying, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So in these Psalms, we see the picture of us being able to battle fear, to get over fear with God's help. So first of all, we must put our trust in God. And Psalm 27, 1 kind of gives us these two visual images that describe God and how he can help us against fear, um, you know, helping us to put our trust in him. So one of these images that, you know, we sort of see is the image of a lighthouse. When the storms of life are raging um, and it's hard to know where to go, you know, we don't know where the dangerous rocks are in the water. We don't know where shore is. um, God acts as our light the light, you know, that lighthouse pointing us in the direction of salvation um, towards safety so that the storms don't take us down. And I actually have a picture of a lighthouse here. Um, and, you know, as you can see from this picture, you know, there, this is near shore and there's this outcropping of rocks. If a boat was coming at night in a storm, they would have no idea that was there. They can crash into it and sink. And just like our lives, you know, if we don't know where the danger is, you know, we're not sure where to go. We can crash into that and sink. Um, But the lighthouse warns them of the danger. It acts as a beacon showing them the way to salvation. Um, And as a side note, if you ever want to get a real respect for the power of God through the ocean, just Google lighthouses in a storm and you see some pretty some pretty amazing stuff. Um, And that's God in our lives in the storms of life. God really acts as a lighthouse showing us where to go. The second image that Psalms gives is God acting as a stronghold for us, a refuge Um, and a refuge. What it is, is it's really a safe place that we can relax and be free from danger. You know, for many of us, our, our home, our apartment is a refuge. It's a place that we can go to get away from the stresses of life. But God actually acts as even a stronger refuge than this. You know, imagine you're out on the prairie and you hear, you know, it's night. You hear those lions roaring right next to you. God is that, you know, tall outcrop of rocks that you can stand on that no animals can possibly climb. Um, you know, as fear attacks us, God is a fortress that we can take refuge in. You know, fear, fear is going to break against the walls of that fortress, almost like waves against the sea cliff. You know, it's not able to get in, and we are protected inside. So what does this mean for us? You know, we look at these two verses. What does that mean for us? How do we focus our eyes on God? Well, first of all, it means that we need to focus on God and not focus on our own power. You know, even as mere mortals, we have some power in life. You know, God has given us abilities 
He's given us um, physical strength. He's given us intelligence. Um, you know, he's made us that we can create very awesome things in this universe that he's created that really help us in life. Um, but when fear comes to fight, we can't trust in our own biceps. We can't trust in our own power, our own influence. Those things are not going to help us um, get to the end. If we look at Psalm 33:16 through 17, it says, The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and it's by its great might it cannot rescue. So we, we really can't look to our own power. We can't look to our own influence in the world, you know, our status. We have to just, we have to look to God because it's God who gives us the salvation. Um, it's God who rescues us from fear and from problems. Second, we need to focus on God. We need to focus our eyes on God and not on our circumstances. The Apostle Peter shows a good picture of what this looks like. Um, and he's actually a very personally, uh, a very encouraging guy for me. Um, you know, he's a guy that Jesus took special attention to train and who God used very mightily on this earth. At the same time, he's a guy that messed up a lot that we get to read about. And I just know for me, that's really encouraging because I mess up a lot too. And so I can know that, you know, Peter was a human. I'm a human. Neither of us have lasers shooting out of our arms. But, you know, God was able to uh, use him. Um, and so God can also use me. So in, in, in Matthew 14, we see this instance of Peter being focused on the wrong things. His eyes weren't focused on God. Um, so at one point during his ministry on earth, Jesus is in this desolate place preaching to this large crowd of people. And he goes ahead and dismisses the crowd, and he sends his 12 disciples across the Sea of Galilee in a, in a boat while Jesus is going to go off and pray for a little while. And the disciples in this boat, by strong winds, strong waves, they're driven from the shore. Um, you know, they're, they're straining at the oars, but they're, they're sort of away from safety. And in the fourth watch of the night, somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m., Jesus, in, in this mighty show of power as the Son of God, comes to them walking on the water. Now, at first, the disciples are kind of freaked out about this, thinking he's a ghost. But as he assured them that it was him, Peter actually asked to do something that's pretty cool. So that's kind of where we're going to pick up. It's in Matthew 14, 28 through 31. And Peter answered him. He's talking to Jesus here. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. That's Jesus saying that. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? So what do we see here? You know, Peter gets out of, out of the boat and is able to walk on the water, almost like he has superpowers. Um, but notice what happens in verse 30, is that his eyes shift, and what his focus goes on is onto his circumstances. It's the danger he's in, you know, that there's this great wind. And when his eyes do that, he begins to sink and needs to be rescued. You know, originally, Peter wasn't focused on the circumstances. He was focused on what he was doing through Jesus. But as his eyes focused to that, he got into trouble. We must not let our eyes become focused on our circumstances, on what's going on around us, and give fear, you know, the chance to knock us a few times with doubt. Um, but instead, we need to keep our eyes focused on God, even when our circumstances are difficult. Um, we need to shift our eyes to the salvation that is Jesus, to the light that he provides, like that lighthouse, the light that he provides, showing us the direction that we need to go, that we're going to be able to get to safety. Um, he's going to act as a fortress for us to be able to move forward in. So we must, not, um, we must keep our eyes focused on God and not on our circumstances. 
We must keep our eyes focused on God, not our own power. And we also must keep our eyes focused on God and not on man. Proverbs 29.25 says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And what the fear of man is, is it's being so concerned with what people think that we go outside of appropriate boundaries in order to try to to please them. And the danger here that we see from this verse is doing this is actually a trap. But notice, however, that whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So when, when the fear, you know, when fear jumps up, you know, one of the ways that it starts to attack us is making us worried what other people are going to be thinking about us. Um, we start worrying about, you know, how is this going to affect my reputation? Is my, bod, my boss, is my boss going to still think that I'm competent? You know, is that girl going to like me? Um, are my kids still going to respect me? And we can even start going to sort of extreme ways of thinking. You know, people who don't even know about our situation, we're like, oh, they're going to think I'm a loser and they don't even know what's going on. Um, we, we, the reality is, you know, we do need to have a good reputation before people. We want to try to have that reputation, but we cannot control the way that they think about us. And it's actually, we're not called to worry about that. You know, our primary goal, goal instead needs to be concerned with pleasing God and not pleasing man. And in the book of Galatians, Peter or Paul, Paul addresses this issue um, of needing to please God and not please man. And so what he says in Galatians 1.10 is, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So for, for everyone who's decided to follow Jesus Christ with their lives, we are called to be servants of Christ. And so the important thing for us is seeking to please God. You know, God knows what's going on in our hearts. He knows the issues. He knows the ways that that we fail. He actually also knows the ways that those people we're concerned about fail. But really, he loves us despite those things. And so our concern doesn't need to be with what other people think. Our concern needs to be only with God, what he thinks, and what he does for us. And indeed, even if we get to the point where we actually do fail... All we're doing is joining the lines of many men and women throughout history who have failed. And for those that focus their eyes on God, God still used them in mighty ways. Um, And we can, you know, even when they failed royally, he was still able to use them and he can still use us. I mean, some examples that we also already saw one of Peter. But if you look through the Bible, you can see examples of Paul, of King David, of King Solomon, many people failing. Um, So we must keep our eyes focused on God. Not on our own power, not on men, and not on our circumstances. So when fear comes up to fight and knock us down, we fight back when we focus our eyes on God and also when we focus our mind on God. Have you ever noticed that, you know, when fear comes up and starts attacking you, um, that it can quickly take our mind on this uh, race through all the negative possible things that could ever happen, you know, likely or unlikely, you know, we start playing scenarios about how everything is going to go wrong. And we, again, we can start jumping. Fear is great at making us jump huge conclusions, making our mind kind of go on this roller coaster race. You know, one minute you're at work, you're thinking about how you've been working hard. Maybe you'll get that promotion you'll be going after. And then suddenly you see your boss is talking to Bob from logistics and you're like, oh, no, you know, Bob's going to get this promotion. In fact, they're going to take me in my office. They're going to send me down to the third floor where it smells like beets. And then I'm going to go home smelling like beets. Then my wife's going to divorce me. My life's going to fall apart. You know, we fear just goes, this roller coaster just takes us for this ride. Um, you know, it, it really wants to spin our minds out of control. 
Sorry, I lost my place. <laughs> um, and so, you know, how do we battle this? Um, what do we do? What we do when fear starts kind of slapping us in the face like this um, determines how we handle fear. Um, so we need to focus our minds on God. Philippians 4 8 tells us, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So these are the things that our mind should really be given to, um, not to that running scenarios of fear. So if your mind is ever on, um, you know, one of those running scenarios of fear, you can know that that's not from God. Um, And when our minds are in a sprint of those fear scenarios, it can actually be very hard to focus on these things. It can be hard to quiet ourselves, have enough peace to be able to focus on those things that God wants. You know, fear has that that great ability to grab a bullhorn and shout in your ear um, about things. But the preceding verses in Philippians actually give us a picture about how we can quiet ourselves, how we can get peace so that our minds are focused on God. So Philippians 4, 4 through 7, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So again, this gives us a picture of how we can get our minds focused on God. The first thing we need to do is we need to rejoice. When fear pops up, you know, and wants to kind of take us on this course, we need to sit and recall all the good things that God has done for us and all the things that he promises to do. You know, fear is really um, has this ability to kind of take us into this point of depression as we see all these negative things that possibly could happen. But it's more difficult to go into that state of depression when we're in a position of rejoicing. The second thing we need to do is we need to remember, if we look at verse 5, it says, the Lord is at hand. So we need to remember the fact that God is here right now. He's not off playing some cosmic game of golf, but he's here right now to help us and to give us aid. And then the third thing we need to do is we need to pray with thanksgiving. We need to give to God any of the concerns that fear are bringing up. You know, sometimes we're so taken up by the epic sob story that fear is tearing us in our heads that we forget that God cares about all these things and he wants us to hand them over to him. And so, you know, we can say, God, you know, I'd really prefer not to work on the third floor where it smells like beets. You know, I I just I thank you for this opportunity that you've given me to work up here. And, you know, I just your will be done. um, But this is just something I want to give to you. And, you know, I know that's kind of an odd, random, funny example. um, But we are supposed to give everything to God in prayer. And we do that with Thanksgiving because similar to rejoicing, It draws us into what God has done. It draws us into the good God that he is and the promises of what he's going to do for us. So turning to these things when fear shows up helps our minds to focus on God and really bring us to that point where we have the peace that Philippians 4, 4 through 7 talks about so that we can have our minds focused on the good things that Philippians 4, 8 talks about. When fear fights to take control, We fierce need to focus our eyes, our minds, and finally our desires on God. One of the major ways that fear seeks to take us down, that it can really attack us, is by what's important to us. It's by by our desires in life. Um, And this, in turn, easily ramps fear up more and more because those things are so important to us. Um, And our desires can be attached to a lot of things. Um, 
you know, a lot of things that gives fear, fear arenas of life to strike in. You know, it may be our livelihood, promotions, our standing in a group, um, you know, our spot on a team. It can be things like grades, you know, um, dreams we have for our life. It can even be things such as, you know, wanting uh, an easy life. And fear will attack all these things. And, and often fear attacks multiple of them at the same time and just gets us to this point of panic. And one of the difficult things in this and the truth of this matter is that when our hearts are set on the wrong things, we actually give fear extra vulnerable areas in our life in which to whack us. Um, You know, it's really easy to let our lives, our identity, our desires um, get uh, wrapped around and entangled in these things that God says they shouldn't be about. You know, God wants us to have the best life possible and, and there's so many things that we, can, that we often will give our lives to that won't satisfy us, they won't fulfill us, they won't stand the test of time. So, you know, as a personal example to this, um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm not, like, I'm not a fashionable guy. Um, when I was in middle school, there was this point in my life when I really wanted cords pants, corduroy pants, because all the cool guys, the fashionable guys, wore corduroy pants. That's right. So, you know, what happened? I never got corduroy pants. Well, I can confess to you all this day that that had absolutely no effect on my life. You know, that, that it, it had real estate in my heart. It was important to me. But, in the, you know, with the test of time, it didn't matter. And, you know, eventually what I wanted was a fossil watch because all the guys that I was running with had fossil watches. And you know what? This is that fossil watch I got. And once again, I can tell you, you know what? This has not satisfied me. It's not fulfilled my life. It tells time, and that's helpful, and that's great. Um, and again, I know this is silly, but this is the extreme. You know, we can, our minds go to this extremeness. Um, you know, and, and even as adults, we still do these things. We just do it in slightly more sophisticated ways. Um, you know, we want the iPhone 7. We want a bigger house. Or we may want things like an easier job or more prestigious projects at work. Um, and none of these things are inherently bad in of themselves, um, and they're meant to be they're meant to be a blessing to our life to our life, but they're not meant to be the purpose of our life. They're not meant to be the things that we go after with our life. They do not last. You know, corduroy pants did not last. You know, the test of fashion time. Um, now I work in architecture. Any prestigious building that I may design, you know, isn't going to last through the end of the world, even if it can make it that long. You know, the Bible says that one day God is going to wrap up time and most of the things of this world are going to pass. And so we really need to make sure that we're investing in the things that are not going to pass away, that will actually last for eternity. And in the book of 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul gives a really good picture of aligning his values with the desires of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. 
What we can see from these verses is that Paul and his team were going through a hard time. I mean, they describe it as them being wasting away. And I know for me personally, you know, the preservation of, you know, the desire for the preservation of an easy life is something that I really want to pursue. But what he's saying here about him and his team is that's not what they're worried about. Um, you know, they want to invest in something greater in something that's going to last for eternity. Um, and so we want to focus our desires and seek the things that are really worthwhile. We want to invest our hearts and our desires in the things that are eternal, those unthink, unseen things, God, um, his kingdom, and the souls of men. And interestingly enough, fear actually can help us um, in the process of focusing our desires on God. This is maybe the one you know benefit of fear. Um, is that as we're seeking to shift our desires to God, you know, the different categories that fear brings up as things that we need to be comp- concerned about actually are showing what's important to our hearts. So then we can then compare those things it's bringing forward and making sure that they align with what God says is reality and that they are holding the proper place in our lives. Um, and as we do that, as we put those things in the right place, they actually have the opportunity to be used for what they were created for, which is to be a real blessing to our lives, um, to make life good. And they don't become as easy as bullseyes for fear to strike at to take us down. So we need to focus our desires on good. And when we do that, we put on armor and are able to fight fear. So when fear strikes to take control, we fight back as we focus our eyes on God, as we focus our mind on God, and as we focus our desires on God. You know, fear is a really, it's a very normal part of life. Um, and it can be helpful for showing us where our hearts are at. But left unguarded, fear can really do damage. It can really beat us into submission and cause us from off from going the course that we need to go. Um, and to respond to fear, we really need to armor up and to fight back. So in keeping with the theme of superheroes, I, uh, I want to show you a clip from X-Men 2. And in this scene of the movie, what's going on is that these bad guys have raided this mansion where all these kids with superpowers go to school. And, you know, they're there. They're causing problems. They're kidnapping some of the kids. You know, they're just looking to cause havoc. And what happens is they run into this older student who comes along, and he basically stops some of them. Now, as you watch this clip, what I want you to think of is pretend that the bad guys are fear, and that student who comes forward, which for all you superhero fans out there is Colossus, I want you to pretend that that's what our needed reaction needs to be to fear. Let's go ahead and play that clip. Awesome, right? (laughs) This is what we need to do for fear. You know, what do we see? We see that fear is in this mansion. It's causing a ruckus. It's causing problems. And Colossus enters the scene. And, you know, he doesn't give fear any chance to give any pot shots to to wound him in any way. Instead, he immediately armors up and he knocks fear right out of the room. Um, When fear pops up, we can't toy with it. Um, You know, it's not something that we can just ignore and rationalize away. It has the power to change how we're going about life. Um, And it isn't there for a friendly sparring match, but can really do us damage. But thankfully, we don't have to be superheroes to take care of it. We we don't need superhuman speed. You know, we don't need metal armbands like Wonder Woman to deflect billets. We don't need her lasso of truth. Um, What we need to do is we need to focus our eyes, mind, and desires on God. 
And that's going to allow us to knock fear out of the room. So doing this will help us move forward in what we need to do, and it's going to be able to give us the ability to move forward in freedom. I'm going to go ahead and start wrapping us up this morning, and so I want to go ahead and invite the band up as well. Um, And each week we look at next steps, um, and what these really meant to do is to really help you think through ways that you can begin to apply God's word into your life. Um, And so I have a few suggestions for you, but, you know, feel free to come up with your own that best fits your situation and what's going on in your life. So the first next step that you could possibly do is memorize Psalm 56, 3 through 4. Um, When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you in God whose word I praise and God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? When we get God's word sunk into our hearts, it really allows us to deal with things as the moment comes up because God can really bring that verse to our minds. The second thing you can do is you can pick an area of life that you struggle with fear and pray about trusting God with it this week. You know, we kind of looked at what happens when our mind is racing on fear and many of it, much of we need to bring those things to God. So one of the things you can do is start looking at how can I bring these fears when they come up to God instead of just letting them Um, have free reign in my life. And the third thing you can do is you can pick an area of life that you struggle with fear and examine what desires are in your life if threatens. So we talked about how we need to align our desires with God and God and fear can actually show us where our heart's at. So it might be worthwhile taking some time and finding out where is my heart right now. I'm going to go ahead and pray as we uh, continue worshiping this morning. God, we just thank you that we can have freedom. We thank you that we don't have to get beat up by fear, but that we can move through life knowing that you are there, that you want to help us, and that you will give us strength and power beyond any superheroes to do what we need to do, God. So we just pray that you would help us to trust in you, to look towards you for aid, uh, and not to just uh, trust in ourselves, God. We pray that you would just change us through your word. We pray that all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.